This is the TSFP Podcast, the Strange Fruit Podcast. We discuss topics that deal with black lives on a day-to-day basis. You know the things that you want to say, but you can't say. Well, we're unafraid to speak on it. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to the Strange Fruit Podcast. The world is a ghetto. I am Adrian Neely. Nikki Brooks. Bishop Green. In the house. <laughs> uh, we still kind of trash on this warm up. We still kind of Boy, I tell you, man. We, we trying though. We, you know, we. We getting there. That's right. <laughs> hey man, we getting better. We getting better, man. So Adrian, man, let's go on and get into these topics, man, because we got we got some stuff to talk about that needs to be discussed. All right, yeah, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll jump right into it. Yeah. <laughs> so, as, as, as I guess most of our like fifteen listeners know, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we we usually uh, talk a lot. We t- three of us talk a lot offline about just different stuff and what we talk about on the podcast. And we started. Uh, my wife and I have this conversation quite often uh, because we're both well, we're both in the uh, business that, that means we have to. Uh, Pay attention to these things, and, and um, I um, so we always end up talking about what constitutes a classic because in school we're taught what classic literature is, and we're taught what classic music is. We're taught um, what classic films are, and if you look at any of those those lists, there's one glaring thing that's glaringly obvious throughout all those lists, and I give y'all one guess as to what that thing is. Um, and. and mm. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Nikki. Let's let's hear what you think that might be. I don't know. Humor me. Um. Well, they're all men. No, no, I'm joking. They're all white. <laughs> Everything, all of it, all of it white. Because they sprinkle some women in there just to make them just so I women. Missed an be opportunity right. for misandry. Ah. Yeah, almost. It was close. Well, I mean, a lot of them do too. Like you can say that a lot. Like, <laughs> but since um, uh, ever since I've heard, you know, I listened to Bill Burr's awesome monologue in uh, Saturday Night Live in, uh, back in 2020, where he just put it out there, like white women have benefited as much, from, you know, yeah. for white supremacy. You know, they they weren't complaining too much because I've always said that. that Man, today's show is the one that cancel culture comes through. Uh, but <laughs> but I've always said that white feminism is pretty racist in itself. It is. Like, it is pretty like, racist you know, in itself. It's, it's usually like, well, we're all sisters, but you nah, know, benefits. Like, yeah, the benefit yeah. is is typically stacked in the direction of of white females. Yeah, heavily yeah. stacked in their direction in fact often feminism is not embraced until there is a benefit for in in it for them just yeah. like affirmative action and things like that until the benefit benefits them you typically cannot get any sponsorship or allyship in it. Yeah. Yeah. you know what I ain't even gonna lie Adrian I think I 
did a real good job filibustering, but that first part of what you said, it cut out. I didn't hear it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Can you hear me now? I can hear I you like, now. I feel like old dude on the Verizon thing, but I, um, like a lot of... <laughs> well, you don't you don't look like him, so... <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> I wanna... Good. I see what you did there. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I just we we know that that when th- what's considered a classic is often and you know honestly we could we could talk about this with anything right like what's considered classically beautiful and it's that European uh, standard so to speak. Uh, mm. and, but but mainly in like books, like there aren't too many books by black authors, and there aren't too many books by black authors that are on those lists because yeah. I've decided that uh and we've decided this in the house this has been a household mm-hmm. the book is good by a white author by all means read it study it learn from it take it in do whatever but we started when, when you really do a comparative when you really do a comparative study um there is no difference there's no well the difference is that in, in a lot of cases some of the black books are better um and you realize there'll be more uh, black classic one if more you know black uh, authors have been allowed to be published in the first place you, you, just how many great writers did we miss out on just because of purity racism and then mm. um, also just because it's not up to that European standard because one thing I noticed you know I, y'all know I used to work in, in movies um, yeah and um, and so I just you know I'm always paying attention. I still love filmmaking. I still do stuff on the side. You know, still you know. Um, but uh, one of the things I notice whenever um, I'm reading something where somebody's just talking about filmmaking, the 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 um, the process of filmmaking, they'll bring up a film that has like in black has has a black subject matter and one of the first thing they said well I'm not really interested in what the in the in the story but they're using this camera or they're doing this thing and it's like well why did you feel like you need to preface your whole comment with what mm-hmm. the story is and that just goes to tell me that it's not that these books aren't classics it's not that the fire next time isn't a classic fire right next time is very much a classic it's, it's not that any of Chester Himes books aren't classics it's, you know, it, it, there, there are so many authors, Toni Morrison, who, who spoke on this very subject, you know. Um, it's not that these books aren't classics and that these authors aren't amazing authors. And in, in the case of, you know, uh, music, that jazz isn't classical music. It's not, that's not the case. The case is that, um, the, the case is just that they're not interested in it. So therefore, according there you to go. their standard, it's not a classic. Like right. you look at how many black films are incredible. You got Eve's Bayou. I mean, do the right thing. They'll give us do the right things. They're like, we just got to give them one. So they'll shut up. <laughs> but do the right thing is a classic. Cooley High is a classic. Malcolm X. Oh, definitely. Classic. You know, like I said before, Eve's Bayou is amazing. Devil in a Blue Dress is amazing. Oh yeah, you know, like there, there are all these movies made, made by these black directors that are amazing movies with just yes. and that are human, that are human. You know what I mean? They speak to the human. Right. Experience. 
you don't even have to refer to it as a black movie as an everybody movie, but they have to. That's yeah. why we even, even the language we use, we call it black movie, but it's a movie. Mm-hmm. But that's there, but there's always been that old Hollywood thing of oh well, black movies don't translate well to other cultures. They don't sell overseas. They don't do this. That's why we can only give black filmmakers this much. Yeah, they film. do because there we go. People's favorite pastime is really to study our ways. Yeah, it's almost creepy. It, it's it's almost creepy because like you know um it's interesting that we say that the art doesn't translate but it does because you know now more than ever so many people are equipped to uh, better equipped to appropriate and emulate because they have media outlets that they can sit there and study for hours right get down yeah. You know they yeah. can they can get it down packed. I um, mean, look, it's just. Continue, Adrian. Oh no, no, I'm I'm listening to you guys. It's just like no, a, a brilliant young rapper once said, uh, "Dreezy in a song called Spar, take our culture, our blueprint, pay the knockoff to come model us." Like that's what it is. Yeah. Like they love, they know that we have uh, as as uh, who's that? Uh, Lords, leaders of the new school. We have classic material. They know we yeah. have classic material. They know, you know, the way we dress, our music. Yeah. They, they love, like, people, as a matter of fact, marketing firms all know this, that black culture leads, it guides trends. As a as a culture, we guide trends. We do. I mean, I mean, man, when you just sit back and you see how many white women are injecting their lips... And and butts and, and and getting these tans and I mean this been going on. Arguably, we are the culture. Arguably, because you know when exactly. you go overseas, you know, um, take for instance, take for instance, um, even like African hip hop. When people want America and they like American things, they don't want alternative and rock and country. People want black culture, and it is almost uncomfortable to see whenever you uh, go. It's if if more black people, I said, you know, if more black folks were able, if more black Americans were able to actually travel to other countries and spend significant time there, and how much they want. All of our swag, all of our culture, you never again hold your head down for being black because, boo, they want to be you. They yeah. they want to be, they want the things about our essence that, um, that are cultural and sacred, but that are kind of like walls. You know, when you go look at K-pop, that is straight emulation of like, hip-hop culture which no show when you look at when you look at like um a lot of the nigerian mainstream scene their videos and stuff like that they're they're copying us when you go to the uk they are yeah. copying black american yeah culture. they're copying black american culture so the culture that that we actually in spite of being stripped from a land and isolated and beat on and everything else, we still managed to carve a distinct culture 
out in the land that we're in, you know, I, and, and it's one of those things that's just like, when you really understand and realize that you walk in a whole different way. Yeah. In a whole different way. And, and, um, yeah, you walk in a whole different way. Yeah. I mean, again, they talk about us though, Nikki, Adrian, they, they, they talk about us and then they go in and make us feel ashamed of it. And then they go in there and just emulate it. That's the issue I have with it. It's not just emulating our style and trends, but the beat down mentally that they do before they do it. My yeah. thing is when we were growing up do it better than us. Exactly. When we were growing up, I don't know how many times I could hear, you know, white girls talking about the black girls in high school. Oh, girl, that ain't even her hair. It's mm -hmm. weave. Girl, what's weave? Girl, it's fake. It's horse hair. And, and, and man, just mm -hmm. like all of that. And then, I, you know, later on, I don't know when, when it hit, but I started finding out white women were putting extensions in their hair. Yep. And the I'm like, no. It wasn't even made for us. We <sighs> technically, you know, we, it, we adopted it to try to, you know, to, to do what we needed to do to assimilate. But, you know, okay. lashes, hair, all that stuff was made for, uh, was not made for black women. <laughs> exactly. We were not the first to do it. Exactly. But again, we this has been the trend. This has been the trend for years, mm -hmm. for years, longer than than we know, uh, honestly, because if you go back to the 30s and the 40s, same thing, same thing. That that big band sound and, and swing and, and then, you know, uh, when rock and roll was invented, you know, here they credit more so Elvis and, and, and all. But we all know, you know, Little Richard. Your Chuck Berry's of the world, yeah. you know. Uh, they had to create white versions of all those songs to get played on the radio. Man, they did the they same were. shit with us, Adrian. White version. Oh, tell me, tell me, uh, New Kids on the Block wasn't wasn't the antidote to uh, New Edition. Don't yeah. lie. Okay, it was. Y'all remember, remember a group called Young Black Teenagers that was all white dudes, and they were their whole thing was black is an attitude. It's like, but. You're not getting your ass beat by police. Like, you know, <laughs> oh! It's not an attitude. It's, it's like a group of people is, is that, that have real, you know, lives and deal with their blackness yeah. every day, not just when they feel like uh, acting black. Right. We don't we don't get to check out. That's the difference. Remember the, the swimmer? Oh, yeah. I remember that very remember well. How, remember how hood oh. He wanted to be so hood. He wanted yep. that brother wanted to be hood. He, he went over there in another country. And when them when they got ready to think about putting them hood consequences on oh, real gone. Oh, the the game changed. That game exactly. changed exactly so quick. But that's the and thing. They they get to check out. They get to they check, get out. check out. They get for them it gets to be a phase you know how you know how when we were younger all the girls went uh, most of the girls went through this phase 
DLC time where we were like, you know, dressing like boys, you know, well, you know, that's when you probably had the first instances kind of like this gender switch dressing or whatever. And, um, you know, cross colors and things like that. You know, you, you, we went through different phases, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as culturally. Um, then, you know, you go to the phase where, oh, I'm getting grown. I don't care about stuff. You know, I'm going to wear all these, you know, you, you just different phases. And, and they get to wear it like a phase. <laughs> exactly. They get to wear it like a phase and then tap out and assimilate into something else. And I think that's what, you know, that's that issue um, where people have uh, of um, when people, you know, are, you know, are like, oh, I'm an ally or I'm this, or I'm a minority too. And, I'm Hispanic and you know, um, everything's not about race and this doesn't happen to me. Well, you know, you you get to assimilate out. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like y'all remember that cartoon where it was the fox and the hound, they would chase each other. They would mm -hmm. go in and clock in. George, I think George was the, the, the fox Oh, you talking about the sheep, you talking about the sheep dog. Yeah, they would chase <laughs> each other, they, they would go check in, they clock in like they were at work. Then they chase each other, and then at the end of the day, they hear that they hear the bell, and it'd be time to clock out. And they go yeah. out. They do that thing, and um, it, it's it's just that's how I, I feel like those people look at their hood status or their mm -hmm. hoodness. Oh, I just go, you know, I check out when it's time, you know, I, I'll be good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I mean, I mean, when the heat is on, you know. It's very convenient again to check out, and you know, but we don't get to check out. We wake up with two black eyes every damn day, and and we have to face, you know, scrutiny. We have to face uh, being not only the best at what we're doing, but above the best because you know yeah. um, they're going to measure us differently. Uh, we have to uh, basically screenshot every movement that we make in the corporate world through emails and, and notes, because we know down the road, maybe even four or five months later, we may have to uh, go back and, and pull out these notes because they love That's to catch right. you when it's, I mean, they love to catch you when they think you have forgotten something. And oh, oh no, 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 I remember. Whatsoever. I'm dealing with, I deal with that constantly, you know, at yeah. work now. And then, you know, what we'll work along so like you know they always want to if they drop a ball it understand i'll get this to you uh if i drop a ball you know uh, mm -hmm. if i say you're gonna get some end of day technically end of day especially in covid means open close of business has really translated to open a business the next day now because people work from home so much you know right. I can have somebody hit me. I just had it today. Hit me at three forty-five. Um, where do we stand on this? I was expecting and CC the world. That's how they do. That's, that's oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. Meanwhile, what I am giving you technically is saving your ass, and it's optional. That's right. Exactly. Now, so, so we shook hands, and you, you was buddy buddy uh, when you needed it behind. Now you gonna use that to front as if okay, well I'm waiting on you. Now you know, yeah, you know that's just a lot of that, a lot of those things, and that's the part that's exhausting for. Because oh man, having to stay 15 steps ahead of people who actually 
actually believe they're smarter than you. And yes, you're smarter than me by default because if you thought you were smarter than me, you wouldn't think. If you were smarter than me, you wouldn't think that you were. You I wouldn't even try me. Smart enough to allow you to believe you're smarter than me. Is because if you believe to think that you aren't smarter than me, if you start thinking that, then it creates problems for me that I have to manage because you can't handle the idea of me being better than you in an area for real. Right. The oldest part is when you're in a meeting and basically you kind of and you say something and they're like, what? Like, and then they want to be all complimentary, like, you're so intelligent you're so smart it's like yeah why is it why are you why are you treating this as if it's a shocker yeah as as yeah. nikki would say you're the exceptional you're the exceptional negro yeah. you know it's just like this morning nikki that's funny i'm gonna i'm gonna just bring this out we're gonna talk about this but i'm gonna bring a little bit of about you know what incurs on my on my job just this morning i wake up this morning to a ticket that said Basically that, you know, a machine that I operated on the night before doing them a favor, getting that machine uh, up and running while it was storming and hailing outside uh, right around me. I was underneath a um, a pass, like a little pass where the cars go through. And I was using that for shelter as I was loading this software. And basically they blamed me for no communication on that on that machine after I left. And I said, oh, okay. Well, here's the ironic thing to what, what you're stating. Not only did I call you before I left, here's the, the person I spoke with on the first call and mm -hmm. you sent you sent information and keys to this machine to bring it online. That was the first call. Second call before I left was to see if you could see any of the uh, keystrokes that I was doing while it was online. That was the second call. A whole different person I spoke with by the name of this name. You know, I gave him that name. And so if the communication was down because of my reload, because of the software that you forced me to put on before you guys had all your ducks in a row, you know, but that's neither here or there, you know, then why is it that you could see all of these things before I left? And so I called them this morning and I said, hey, I'm going to need you to go back in that ticket and I'm going to need you to reword everything you stated, because the way that you pointed that out, it made yeah. it look as if I was the fault to no communication on this machine. And I says not to be that uh, extra sensitive tech, I says, but I'm very sensitive. I'm when gonna I'm, I'm going to be that, I says, so I'm going to need you to get a hold of his name. I gave his name. I said, I'm going to need you to get a hold of him and let him know that's we don't do that. We don't do that with me. I says, you're going to tell the story straight or don't tell it at all. I says, because honestly, I'm going to go back in here on this call ticket and I'm going to put everybody's names I talked to. And the fact that you saw everything online before I left, what? Then I get there. Now, here's the kicker. Get there. And when I powered, it, it was it, it had a blank screen on it, but everything was powered on. And I knew, oh, OK, it's stuck in a process. So what did they what did they try to upload to this thing while it was online? So I went on and hit a quick reboot on it. And before it shuts down, 
I know it's going to flash real quick on the screen where it was at in processes, right? So mm-hmm. I had my phone out, took the screenshot as soon as it came up, and then it shows me, oh, y'all trying to encrypt the hard drive. <laughs> so that's that's what crashed it. Y'all uploading <laughs> stuff to it after I left, but you didn't tell that. See what I'm oh. saying? Again. Right. No, right. you up here trying to do something. And exactly. now all of a sudden you're going to, you know, you're gaslighting and blaming it on to me. Yep. Right. That's but I said all this to talking. say this. They can't stay up with us, Nikki, because we have to think 15 steps ahead of them at all times. That's the reason why they can't catch up to us, because we already at the damn North Star. Before they even get out the damn ranch, we at the North Star. Okay, and that's that's my point. People don't understand how exhausting it is to wake up and being black in this corporate world. It's exhausting because you you constantly have to outthink them. You're constantly thinking ahead because you know they lie on you. Mm-hmm. Now, all they did was cost them an extra bill because I billed them that ticket for that trip. Okay? Because it didn't crash because of me. It crashed because of you putting things on it after I left. Who told you to do that? And you know, See? I know this is a strong, a strong, uh, a strong pivot, you know, but this is one of my issues that uh, with, this is one of the reasons I have, I take issue with people with the entrepreneurs who act as if us, you know, in the matrix, so to speak, like, you know, that like the end all be all, it's just go start a job, you know, go start a business. And if you don't start a business, then there's something wrong with you and all. And I think that they don't understand that, you know, for some of us, we have to do this because the, the jobs are a pole, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. got families yeah. to take care of you have kids that's to right to you, don't, you don't want them suffering especially once you start a family you don't want your family to suffer um some of their basic needs at the expense of you keeping your dignity intact and exactly. that is something that every human does that's why you got people that prostitute to sell drugs and do all sorts of things Often it's they're doing what they have to do to take care of something else or someone else that is relying on them. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, what is a, what is kind of upsetting about a lot of it or, dis, or maybe, you know, dis, disconcerting about a lot of it is that this idea that um, or just people not understanding everything that we we deal with <laughs> in that in that area uh, and, and how we literally are like we have to be like Neo in the Matrix. We yeah. have to go in there, be undetected, but make it bend and make it bend to 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 Work give us good. peace so we can just get enough out of it to do what we need to do. Nikki, we have to go to work thinking, how can I not be uh, uh, perceived as a threat today? How can I make myself less uh, threatening today? How can I, I make myself less threatening? How can I cover myself because I know that person is coming is going to try to set me up? Come yeah, on now. Adrian yeah. said once before, I use this all the time, like his biggest fear was what's in my head coming out of my mouth. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got to go to work. Like, don't you let that come out your mouth. You know, I can't just, you know, I, just, I have to, my biggest fear is often the massaging my word, thinking before I speak, mm-hmm. being methodical, 
you know, uh, because my words may, it's not that they offend, it's that if you can't, if you don't believe that my words, you're fragile and you can't handle the words coming from me, I don't want to have to deal with often what what comes when you believe, when you think my words are in a way that you don't like. Uh-uh. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'd rather just, I'd rather try to deal with it and take it home and eat it away and drink it away and let my family love it, love it away um, than manage your discomfort in the workplace. And it was a D.O. Hewley that said the most dangerous place for a black person is in the imagination. imagination. Of- yeah, the most dangerous place for black people to exist is in the uh, in white people's imaginations. And it's true. It's, it's like, but yeah. even Nikki, going back to what you said about uh, uh, entrepreneurs, I mean, you know, Dame Dash, I remember when he went on the Breakfast Club saying all that about, you know, working for somebody else and all that. But if you look up his net worth online, for the longest, it was listed as negative $1 million. Does anybody want to be worth negative $1 million? <laughs> I mean... That's pre- that sounds like stress. Yeah, it just... Yeah. <laughs> I'd be stressed out just because Sally made to change her name. I mean, God, dog, I was the <laughs> oh, man. Worked. I was, ooh, Lord. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it. Oh, I yes, missed that. You missed what? She changed the name? You know, it's Navient now. Oh, well, hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It's Navient. Used to be See, y'all thought y'all Navient. thought I was being funny. No, I'm just country and hey, I'm laid back on that. I don't. Uh, hey. you must ain't got them student loans to pay no more. <laughs> I sure don't. Thank you, Lord. Lord. I'm still locked up on them. Oh man, you like Acon? They won't let you out. <laughs> yeah, them student loans. <laughs> I'm locked up. Hey. Well, man, you know, there's so much we could keep going with how they how they love us, but they hate us. You know, they won't give us our fruits uh, while we while we live. But we all know what it is. We have sometimes we just got to take that and and just kind of make it our own and and hold on to it and fight to keep it. Because honestly, you know, they've uh, you know. These other countries, they're they're doing basically again, they're emulating all of America because America basically robbed black people. Okay. Of their ideas, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, they're doing what they've seen been done to us and it's okay. It's accepted. So, you know, these are the kind of motivations, but like Adrian says, you you know, what, what determines a classic? Well, hell, you know, I could kind of take that into the hip hop world too. uh, Because like, you know, uh, who we have, like, uh, Beastie Boys and 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 now I did love Third Base. I ain't gonna even lie. I ain't gonna even front. Uh, I did like Third Base, but you know there was so many uh rap groups. You know, and it was kind of it. Well, it was mentioned in uh what that NWA movie that came out where they talked about how that manager was you know running them and 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 cheating them out of money and everything. You know, but he was he was Jewish. You know, and uh you know. We we see a lot of these things uh, happen. I mean, these record labels were owned by people who were Jewish. They owned and operated the record label, you know. But how many hip hop artists 
came out of those labels and that we we determine are legends today, you know, yeah. and, you know, and like I say, nothing wrong with them being Jewish. But at the same time, blacks didn't know nothing until what Master P came out and showed them what time it was. Master P really did. When he came yeah, out, he, he showed he folks. And still I, doing I, stuff. Like he's still working. He got ice cream <laughs> now and wrap snacks and noodles. But I'm saying, and I, yeah, I billion dollars. But exactly, so, you know. So I, I ain't, hey, I, I'm trying to get like him, man. Hey, but he hustled and did his thing, studied the game, got out before it, you know, before it got him. And he took that money, flipped that money, and made it work for him. And you can talk about people. That's the other thing. That's the and this is side note. This is totally side note. And I'm gonna get back on track. But that's the other thing. We gotta stop talking about people uh about their past. Okay. I don't wanna hear about he was a drug dealer. <laughs> this hey, this this dude is gonna have you know, he he a millionaire, multi, multi-millionaire. But you oh, I remember him when he used to be a rapper and, and he living out of his car. Well, I'm glad you still remember that. That's maybe maybe that's why you still there. Because mm-hmm. you still hold you know, and, and that and that's the thing. But anyway, that's just a side note. We gotta stop doing that as a people. Um I hate to change the subject a little bit, but I want to ask y'all a question. Okay. I want to ask y'all what grade would you give Biden's and his administration right now uh, as, as it turns to uh, the black communities of America today? What grade would you give him uh, from a D to an A scale, A to a D scale? Uh, I'll ask Nikki first. What grade would you give him? Um, a B. I'll be okay. All right, Adrian. What about you? I think. No, I also have a popsicle in my mouth. Based on <laughs> expectations, <laughs> I'll say B minus is, is fair. I, in the words of Harold Washington, I'll say fairer than fair. Okay. Okay. I would I would say about a B myself, and why I'm saying a B instead of a B plus or A or A minus, whatever you want to do um, is because I kind of feel at this point and I know it's very early, but he's done some very um, spectacular things for other other people and not just minorities, you know uh, transgenders got a, a bill that was signed in uh, executive order on the very first day in office, okay. Which I have no problem with that. So before y'all come at me with this BS, I ain't got no problem with transgenders. Okay, that that, that you know, they got they got a deal. Great. Okay. Then we had this COVID nineteen act that just got passed not too long ago uh, because uh, Asian Americans was getting beat up and and uh, and hurt and killed and all this kind of stuff and that's not cool i'm not down with that either okay 
So I have no problem with that. So they passed this bill. That's the thing that's got me upset the most. Okay, because here it is, the Senate right now in America, they don't agree on nothing. They filibuster each other back and forth every day. But man, they can sit there and pass that bill. Okay, so quick. But yet still, we got that Emmett Till Lynch bill sitting there that ain't ain't just collecting dust. We got the George Floyd uh, bill uh, for police uh, police brutality. You know, we got that sitting in the in the Congress. Meanwhile, black folks is getting shot up, beat up by officers. Um, and even if they got weapons, you know, like like we've seen, we don't we don't get apprehended alive. OK, I mean, if you, if you got a weapon in America and you black, I mean, that's that's your death card because they're not going to do you like they do a Caucasian male or female. OK. You uh, Caucasian male, female, they can sit there and swing the knife at the cop and they won't draw that weapon. We've seen it. We've seen these things. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, I'm a little bit upset, <laughs> but emotions aside, I don't feel that we're getting our due justice. We, and I'm speaking about black people, we put Biden in office. Say what you want. Okay. Philadelphia showed out. I ain't gonna forget. Atlanta showed out. Okay. Milwaukee showed out. And Detroit showed out. Okay. And I'm gonna tell you, those cities made the difference. They made the difference. Okay. On whether or not we was gonna have that number 45 uh, dude in there or uh, Biden. Okay. And I kind of feel right now we've been kind of just bamboozled, you know? Now, I know you might say, well, Bishop, be patient and wait and all that. Well, hell, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Because, honestly, shit, we've been waiting over 400 years. Okay? If you want to be be real about it. Okay? And here it is. We're just asking for the same justice that you're giving everybody else. If you don't kill um Susie Q or Tammy Q when she pulls out a knife or uh mm-hmm. um you know Charles Franklin you don't you don't you don't shoot him and he got the gun talking with you talking to you with it and you you still apprehend him alive uh you know it uh white kid goes and kill people and and then when you find him you go buy him a hamburger before you take him to jail I mean why can't we get that same tolerance you know and I already know the answer and my answer is my answer is they don't see us as human beings they don't see us as human and you can say that you you know you can say well no I'm not prejudiced no but you do have implicit bias that, that is unchecked and you ain't checked it and you won't check it because you don't even want to admit that you have implicit bias within you. Hell, we all do. And I have to check mine every day. But the reason why it gets checked is because I I acknowledge it first. Now, I'm probably preaching to somebody, but hey, at the end of the day, man, black folks ain't, we're not wanting something for free. Hell, we didn't earn it. We didn't earn it. So I don't know what the hell Biden waiting on, Juneteenth or something. 
to to pass the Emmett Till Lynch bill or the George Floyd bill. But man, bottom line is we got to get it to where these police have to feel the blunt of this. Stop making the taxpayers pay for they 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 mess ups. Okay, uh, make them lose their pensions. I guarantee you, they lose them pensions. Man, that shit will stop. I'm telling you. Oh, you know they they would. Let's back up to Biden for a minute, though, and I want to talk about why I'm giving him a B minus because I think we're on the same page on this one too. Probably. I feel what everybody is saying, but I think we're forgetting we didn't try to elect him because we were trying to get a great white to get Trump out. There we go. That is what that's everybody it. forgets. That's Dude. the ticket. As, as <laughs> like about we were trying him out, right? So <laughs> if, uh, we were trying to get him out. Um, and so um, my thing, like we all were voting, right, to say, okay, we, what we were trying to do is get this man who was fighting the clan 3.0 out of office that's all we wanted was to start over and rebuild we were not trying to do anything there were no limitations we were not asking joe biden to do anything for black people or to save black people or to consider us or do anything different than any other politician or president has done in the history of the united states of america the expectation was not high it was low Yep. I don't know where everybody's coming from now. To me, it feels like they're complaining because I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not what we wanted him in there for. <laughs> okay, so, okay, okay, so, 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 that, that's, go ahead. I, I just want to say, like, I'm, I knew Nikki was going to hit that point, like, because that is my, that's the B, B minus for me. I had no great expectations. As a matter of fact, I didn't even really want to vote for Biden. If I if I wanted change, if I wanted something different, which I did, but if I want, you know, I always want change. But I, I in, in the primaries, I voted for um, Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. He was the the person who actually had plans and who actually who was vociferous about those plans and who could lay out everything. Like when like uh, if if Y'all can remember that far back in the debates, Elizabeth Warren undressed Biden in front of the nation. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. And so, and, and my thing with Biden was just like Nikki said, I had no expectations. It was strictly about because the way I look at Trump is tr everything Trump does is actively in pursuit of harming black people. It is, it, it is, yeah. It is. In intentional, it is part of the plan. It is not. It is part of the plan to disenfranchise yeah. and harm black people. I felt like Trump was. Yes. I feel. I feel. I'm not gonna say I felt. I feel like Trump yes. is dangerous. I feel yes. like Trump's ideology is dangerous. I feel like yes. his being there would cause bring harm to my family was dangerous for my wife and my children that's how i felt about trump so yeah i was never on the page of biden's gonna come in and do all for black people i always viewed joe biden as a stopgap i voted I, I i viewed joseph biden as 
at least he's not that other motherfucker. That's basically. So and, and if, if, which if is sad. That, which which is really another, sad. That's that's what it boiled down spot, to. If right. there had been another spot on the ballot that said some other motherfucker besides Trump, I would have marked that spot. It did not matter. <laughs> Trump could have run against a turd, and I would have voted for that turd <laughs> and then wore a little sticker that says, I voted for a piece of shit. So, like, <laughs> so when it comes to when it comes to like, this whole thing of, of shit. like, like because I, if we can go even <laughs> further back, I think we had this conversation. I was mad at, at all the black people who we're talking about get something for your vote. I was like, no, get Trump out. Be strategic. Like we always talk about everybody being strategic. Understand that this is not a one or a two year thing. And not like we should have to wait one or two years, but it's just the reality of the situation. Like okay. it's not a one or two year or even a four year thing. It was, you have to get Trump out because he's rolling. If, if you remember, Trump was rolling back parts of the Voting Rights Act. Voting, yeah. Rolling back parts of the Civil Rights Act. Trump was by the time, if he had had four more years, four more years is a lame duck. He would have oh, been no doubt. He, he would have been doomed. We wouldn't have had anything. We would have been starting from scratch. He would have probably tried to de-emancipate us. That would have been man. He I, already I, dog. He already had us at scratch. He was, in, he was in four hot damn years. And so dog. at four years, the damage he did to the country to the point where. Racism is okay. It's it's by this whole other name. Like like you can, people talking about econ, people from Dallas. I know for a fact there was a group from Dallas that flew to the the storm to storm the Capitol in a private jet, and these people tried to make their whole reason for going down and storming the Capitol about economic insecurity. But really, what economic insecurity stands for is we're scared that blacks and Mexicans and everybody else is not white would have as much of a stake in everything that happens in America as we do. That's really what that was about. That's yep. what economic insecurity means to them. For us, economic insecurity means I won't be able to feed my family or, or I'm going to be in dire straits. We're going to have to figure out where we can live and what we can do. And so that alone, so so when, when, when people were coming out like, we're going to make, I was, first of all, I was like, where was this talk for four years up to the election? Where was all this talk for like like black people? We can't just show up for the Super Bowl and then be mad because our team didn't make it if if we didn't follow them throughout the season. We can't be mad if we didn't do anything to get different results and then look at the situation and there are no different results there. And the time to be all indignant and talk about getting something for your vote is not every four years when it's time to vote. It's not even every two years when it's time to vote like we should be on on the ground right now working as hard as we can so that in 2022 like we keep our majority we get a bigger majority in the house and the senate that should be that should be first and foremost on every black person's mind and that should be getting up to doing all the things to get to that point and that's the way I view Joe Biden, people who voted for Biden, I don't think they were voting for him just because they expected him to be the great white hope. Like Nikki said, they were voting for him because we had to be strategic. You got to get Trump out so he can't do any more damage. And then you have to really pound the pavement. And it can't be 
in 2024 when Trump tries to shut, rear his ugly head again. It has to be now. So, but you have to get him out of the way so that he can't do any more damage because he's already done a ton of damage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, and it's going to take years to, to, to build back up, too. Um, but, no, what I was going to say is uh, I agree with you guys on this one. However, <laughs> I'm not saying we were going to get anything out of it either. But I'd be damned if you sitting up here giving a, away the Cracker Jack box to everybody else and then just looking at us over there in the corner. And I just always do that. They always do that to us. Give us the middle finger, basically. I feel like that stuff is just the middle finger. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And so my point is, it's like, okay, well, damn. You know? I mean, say it with your chest, Joe. You know? I mean, so that's that's my thing. Um that's pissing me off is that, dude, we got these bills sitting up in there and you ain't done the damn thing. If you don't want it, just get rid of it. Filibuster it like you do every damn thing else. That means something to us. I mean, dog, you can't just <laughs> keep. Yeah, you're right. I, my ex I mean, again, Nikki, I know we're not getting vote. nothing out of it. I know we didn't vote for him to get something, but damn, on the very first day, transgenders come in on the scene, they get something. Okay, great. Yay. Now let's move on. Damn. Okay. Asians get up. You know. It's always been the MO of of the political machine. I so so to me, I I so so what is the black caucus doing? What they doing? Getting real what they doing. I mean getting reelected whenever the time comes up. They always did, which was nothing. They they know that they that that their their constituency is going to vote for them because they're familiar. If you really think about yeah, it, that's why, that's why they get voted for. Yeah, and, and you know that the Black Caucus. I remember, you know, the Black Caucus. They try to even when we earn those seats in the state of Texas. I can personally attest to what happened with the Texas two step at the Democratic convention. We earned seats on the caucus because of the way we showed up in the primaries for Barack Obama, and it was unprecedented and unheard of. Now, they had the Black Caucus at the Democratic Convention. The Black Caucus is not something you sign up for. It is literally like, uh, well, they had the the, the Black uh, Caucus meeting to elect people to the caucus. It's literally a room, and whoever wants to go in there that's a citizen that's at the Democratic Convention as a registered voter can go in there and vote. So the Black Caucus, they ran this whole little, if you want to run for one of the seats on caucus to go to D.C., then, you know, put your name in the hat and speak for two minutes. So they did all that speaking for two minutes. And then all of your elected reps, Ralph, what's his name? Is Ralph West, West from um, Dallas? Oh, I was going to say Ralph Sampson. Sanfronian, Sanfronia Thompson. Uh, Al Green, Al Greasy Green. Um, <laughs> uh, all these people that technically, they they uh that are already on the caucus because they're elected officials. Do you know that they literally ruined the seats because what they pulled was they turned around and had like four or five people you could speak for two minutes on why you should be on the caucus. They had every you know. Random people said, I want to be on the caucus. Young people, whatever. They got up and spoke two minutes. This is in a room. No one knows anybody. This is literally, we just showed up, and this is, you earn seats on the caucus, and we got to elect these seats to the caucus. They had four or five people 
speak on them for two minutes each. And then by default, and there, and and I stood up in the room. Another woman stood up in the room. We were like the only two people. This and it probably was a couple hundred people in this room. This older lady stood up and said, Y'all are wrong. What they're doing is wrong. They y'all are y'all are playing games. They are stealing these seats, and black folks earn these seats. And then they started with the oh, we're gonna be people gonna be negative and stuff. And because nobody read the back of the magazine to tell you how it works because people don't read and that's not what they was at the democratic convention for they were just amped up because wow i'm excited to be in the voting process uh we did this and a black man's gonna win and nobody really knows how any of it works so they got there they re-elected themselves to the black caucus when that's when they didn't need to be elected to the black caucus because by default they sit on it and effectively lost the public seats Damn. When I saw that, I said, oh, this is, this is, this is, this is some, somebody in people pockets <laughs> with politics. Y'all oh, have been paid to make sure the caucus is not infiltrated because it didn't make sense. It is like we earn extra seats on the caucus that are open to the public, not a, not a politician, any person. Any person just wants to sit on and you got to pay your way to Washington, D.C. But if you decide I want to be on the Black Caucus so that I can have real votes and be a part of the Electoral College in this historical thing. Right. Earn seats seats from participation in the state of Texas and they effectively um, made sure those earned seats were lost. This whole smoke and mirrors illusion and I was floored. And I, I was like, you know, I, I spoke about it, uh, but you're in a room full of hundreds who you really don't know, you know what I'm saying? And nobody's mm-hmm. really going to say much. And it was just like that whole dynamic of popularity was crazy. It was crazy. And um, Boris Miles is another person that spoke about it and that was really fussing about it. But the way they jumped down their older lady's throat that stood up and said, y'all are wrong. This is wrong, y'all. Let me tell y'all what they're doing, and let me tell you how this works and what they're planning is wrong. And they, when I say they went into full from that day, I still have images of the way how Al Green went into like a rage. Mm. Like, I mean, his hair was flipping like red on uh on uh five heartbeats. <laughs> my like, office hours oh, By default, you are the caucus. You're the black caucus. What are you doing? Man. Wow. On us not knowing enough about the system, Nikki. You know what I mean? Like, those people have been in there long enough to kind of understand how to manipulate the system. And Man, since the 70s, Adrian. Since the 70s. Oh, yeah. Many of them. Career politician is an oxymoron. Yeah, exactly. Michelle and I have had some interesting conversations lately about just politics and understanding politics. And she was, you know, we talked about, we, 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 we had a discussion about it two days. She was like, 
you could go for city council i'll go for school board like we could get involved like for real for real you know and i was like i feel like i need to be i need to go to law school i need to you know do this thing to to really understand because i want to understand once i get in there how to make how, how things work and how to make things work for real so that we don't yeah. you know you know but but i i just believe that those people have been in there uh and it's been those have been real discussions the, the law school thing all that stuff we, we really had these real discussions about it because we just feel like like everything we want to do whether it be in education or it be in whatever else you you when we've all i think all three of us have been in enough systems that we see need change change like that that need to be dismantled yeah and rebuilt like not they can't even you can't just make incremental changes anymore everything has to be there there are several systems that need handled. they're in that kind of shape they're in that kind of you know so, so it's just uh as far as that like those people knew how to manipulate the system we didn't know like if you really think about it this time that this time that we're in yeah like there, there are there are those of us who who knew something right we, we we and we thought we were doing pretty well but then you find out so much and i i know myself i will speak for me i have learned so much more black history i've learned so much more about what's really behind certain policies that that have have disenfranchised us i've learned so much more. I didn't know John Lewis voted against the crime bill. I had no idea. I thought that against the what? The crime bill. Um. Wow. Or he didn't. He he didn't. He was one of the people said I can't vote for it. He was like I can't like um because that the rest of them pressured him to 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 sign. They were like we need to do this, and John Lewis was like no. John Lewis was the only one that really had the foresight to see what it would do to people. I didn't know that. I was corrected by someone else. I thought my uh, were all in. Like, so there are these nuggets that we just still, you know, we're still like uh, yeah. with other black people, like other black people, like I know something some other black person doesn't know and then they educate me on something I didn't know because it's just too much to know. It's too much for one person to keep in. Like right now I'm reading White Rage and 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 it is like a book that you read and you gotta take a break. You know yeah. I mean? Read it and you gotta take a break. You read it. And that's why I haven't read it. Because I got enough of it going on in me. So before I read that book. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah. But what you got to saying? We we have yeah, to I feel you know. and we also have to allow ourselves to still live life. Like <laughs> we have to allow ourselves to still have discussions about things we're interested in and be interested in those things that we were interested in before. Uh before BT, before Trump, um, because you know this racism has always been around, but it just those we our generation has never seen it this out in the open, right? Like this, right. Is, our parents are like this ain't nothing. Like you exactly, know, like exactly. Parents. They're like, uh, so go back. And yeah, for our parents, it's like, yeah, they're like reread what what was going on when we were kids, you know. And, and 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 see if if that kind of compares. And then if you know, I I don't have any living grandparents left. Michelle's grandmother died early in the year, like so we don't have. But they were all born in nineteen twenties. You know what I mean? <laughs> so 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 whatever we saw is is nothing 
because uh, Michelle's grandmother was born in 1920, you know, and so, uh. you, you know, and, and then what, one year later was the Tulsa race, right? Uh, uh. Massacre. I'm, I refuse to call those things riots. Because yeah. Really just a bunch of white people being being mad that black people were messing around and trying to live life. Uh, speaking of riots, y'all, y'all seen that the uh, Florida pulled the Pull some Jim Crow they sell on basically uh, giving folks the rights to run folks over if folks what? is prote- protesting okay. and rioting. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and the consequences are basically if you're caught doing uh, riots and, and protesting um, that you are subject to lose um, the right to get student loans and, and things like that. So, oh, yes. And yeah. if you're out there when a riot breaks out. So so if you're in, let's say that you're in a protest peacefully and something breaks out and you don't have anything to do with it, you're across the street, but because you're there, you can be uh, convicted. Yeah. You can be charged. That is definitely some Jim Crow-ish. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yeah. No, that's Jim Crow to the fullest. That is, and and you know who that hurts more when they when they uh put things like, well, if you if you don't have uh, a driver license, you know, or form of identification, then you can't vote. Well, okay, let's say we got a grandma; she don't drive. Yeah, you know, so she don't have no other form of identification. Mm-hmm. She can't vote. I mean. So it's like, man, th- th- they're doing these things that affects us more so than them. And so they'll take their little losses on them because they know it's not as much uh, about them as it is us because they can afford to, to to lose a few. They know mm-hmm. it costs, you know, due to the ratio of things, it hurts us more. And that's the thing. I can't get people to understand. Certain people, I say, they don't. Well, hey, uh, when y'all when y'all kill y'all selves, black on black crime, and I know I'm switching a little bit, black on black crime, uh, you know, uh, y'all don't care about that. Well, no, we do, we do, but we don't ever say anything about white on white crime. And I know damn well it happens because I watch a lot of de- right. I watch a lot of detective ID crime. That detective uh, channel. I watch a lot of them, them kind of detective shows with true stories and. Hardly any of them with black folks in it, but they got a ton. I mean, six years series, twelve episodes each, whereas white white folks killing each other. But you know, we don't we don't call it white on white crime. When have you ever heard that? They, you know, the, the problem is, is is that they can they always find these weird fake statistics. Most of them aren't true, and and, and now that we're in the um, we are actually in the the anti facts. You know, we're living in the anti-facts period or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Man. It makes it even more, you know, it makes it even easier for somebody. Um the thing that the things that, that are funny is that when you talk to these people, like in my and I can't bring myself to believe that they don't know or don't understand. <laughs> it is strictly like if they know that we they know that we know and if by any stretch of the imagination then they let on that they know. Then the ruse is up. 
the jig is up, so to speak. Like they have yep. to, then things really have to change. It's not that these people don't know. And, and like you said, you're trying to convince. There's no convincing um, because the, the the thing is the, the 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 fuckery. I'm trying not to use. I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, but there's just certain things. It's like it's so transparent now that and, and they get. And the fun thing has been to just watch them get angry when they've been they've been um, discovered, so to speak, when they've been called yeah. out on the um, because the thing that they still love to do is is try to get you to and and, and explain something that and you know and, and that they're about to argue with you about in bad faith. They love mm-hmm. to get you to do that, and so I have completely pretty much stopped explaining uh-huh. I, don't, I don't give the list of all the things that have happened that that, that constitute in, institutional and systematic racism because they know that too and then oh yeah it's more fun to watch them get frustrated when they can't get you to explain it to them because explaining it to you to them is a different form of trauma for you yes you're recalling all this stuff and you're getting angrier and angrier because these are facts and these people are not interested in facts they're interested in making you upset to the point yeah and and that's part part of the and that's still part of the reason like the fact that we know they're not going to do anything and they're not inch the 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 closest they're interested in doing anything about racism is just doing things to say they're not racist, which is why you get the anti-Asian hate bill, uh, uh, the and you get the the transgender bill, but you don't get a black bill because those two things are like, hey, look, we're not racist, while it also gives them the pleasure of of at the same time simultaneously giving black people a middle finger, like there, shut up, yeah, so yes, it's like I feel like for black people, and I'll never back up off this, I'll never not feel like this, for black people, it is us. It is on us to do. We have to move uh, in, in, in certain ways. We have to all be a little bit of Stacey Abrams. We all have to make moves. We all have to be thinking ahead. We all have to be looking at these things, see like how we can infiltrate the seat of power, how we can how we can make moves to, 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 to be part of certain things that are happening, that are moving and, and, and affect that change. Because what we've seen, what's been proven time and time again, is that there is no interest. If we're being honest, we're being completely honest. There's no interest in doing anything just for black people. Right. And, yeah. And, that that interest is not forthcoming anytime soon, except. I mean, that's, that's been proven. Because yeah, yeah, once yeah. again, stop we, Asian hate. Stop Asian hate. Nikki, did you hear anybody say stop all hate? No. Because Adrian, just, did uh, you hear it? It's just about telling black exactly. people to shut up. It's just about Basically, telling black people to shut up. Nikki said this a couple of, uh, well, it wasn't a couple of, it was, it was several episodes, several podcasts ago. She said basically, they want you to go on and just, here's your purse. And sit your ass down. Yep. Here your purse. I bought you this purse. Nick, you remember when you said that? Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Here your Gucci bag. Sit your ass down. Right, you you got what you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, man, we only got a couple more minutes to go to spin off. Um 
there was a topic that um, we kind of discussed earlier and uh, I don't know if Nikki wants to take it there but if she wants to take it there I will gladly put my input on it <laughs> uh, oh yeah all right so this is something that uh, all right it's it can get it can get muddy when we're talking about you know interracial dating a lot of people assume that um so so um as a mother of i believe in love i believe love transcends boundaries everything living and as someone who's been privy to advising people you know in various arenas and things as a mother of black sons i've been alarmed with over the years with the ease of which young black men are often accused of rape and aggression by uh young white girls that they date and what I have discovered is that um, I think a lot of it has to do with there is this something in white white culture American culture where oftentimes there's pressure in the culture against a, a, a young female about her dating choices when it comes out when it comes to her dating black black uh, men and mm-hmm. because of that often when they get that scrutiny or when they get that um, disapproval or disappointment that next thing that comes along the way that they seem to handle that uh, is that then it becomes an accusation against that young man because a lot of them are are, are not allowed openly to really honestly they can't bring it home for real and so because of that as a mother of sons black sons I have um, I've warned my sons about Mm -hmm. you know dating outside of of uh, about dating not dating outside of the race about dating uh, young white women particularly in college because that's why I see it happen the most. And I have said to my sons, um, I don't care who you date. I don't care. We don't care who you bring home. If you like them, we love them. Um, with that being said, though, it's important that you really know the friends. And, and, and I'd rather you knew the family. And even if we knew them of anyone that you dated who was white, because I would not want you in a situation where, you know, like you, you can, you can date a young black girl whose parents may not want her to date. And I don't, I'm really not that concerned about what would happen to you. You know, her father mm-hmm. might approve or something like that. I really don't care about that. I don't think the, the, you know, you got a daddy too, but nobody been not threatening my child. We fine. But I am terrified if you were to date a young white girl whose parents did not approve. That is terrifying. Because that could be something, whatever comes of that disapproval or fear, if something were to happen, could be something as a parent that I couldn't save you from. 
So yeah. that's where and and I and I and I don't know what the solution to that is necessarily because it for having sons, it's not enough for her to be woke. Yeah, it, you need a whole family. I, I need a whole woke family. I need to yeah. protection deal. Yeah. I need to understand everything. I mean, that's like, you know, the only other thing I'm that protective of, in all honesty, is really, and, and we, my husband and I are pretty protective of our kids. That's another thing, too. So we know all their business. You know, we are definitely the, you know, we want to know their friends are and stuff like that. And we try to be their first friend, so to speak. You know, we try to be that first safest place for them, um, you know, so we can have that influence with them. And um, and so far, so good. That's worked out for us, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's worked for, for our children and continues to work. So in that area, you know, again, that's the one where I'm like, okay, I need to know. I would need I would I would I would want to know for your safety, I would need that to be open. <laughs> you know, like that's the one I gotta know about. Like I need you to bring them home. I want you, I want to know who they people are. Uh I need to know everything. And I need I might need to know who they people are before you go over there. You know, just because um there is is a lot that I've 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 seen. So that's I've cautioned my sons. Um mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say cautioned against. I've cautioned them in the sense of you need to apply an extreme amount of careful care and wisdom. Because it's it's not it's not her. It won't be her. It would be what she's surrounded with in her people. So, so you made you make you made them uh, watch Get Out, right? Yeah, they watched. <laughs> or just read any history book where a black man was accused of raping one white woman, and they tried to kill every black person. They in the tried town. to kill everyone they saw. They killed black women, like the black women. How you gonna try? you accusing the black women of rape too? The baby? Yeah, you accusing the baby? Yeah, yeah. And yep. so, you know, unfortunately, that's a that's a conversation that you. That I know I did not anticipate needing to have because we were in the love who you love. Uh, yeah. You know, I saw too, you know, it happened in school a lot. I used to think when I was in high school, well, maybe it's happening because I'm in high school and these are one of our situations and I'm growing up in a fairly racist area. Uh, literally, there's a, a, a town that's clan country that, you know, sourced to my, my high school. So I thought maybe that was it. I got the college. I saw it. I said, well, maybe it's because I'm in Texas and it happens, you know, and is it a, is, you know, is it, is it five out of 10? No, it might be one out of 10. I don't know. It might be one out of 30. It's been too many for me. I know of too many. Um, In school, I saw it. Then when I got in the workforce uh, and as a young adult, I had, I saw it and then older i have you know talked to parents who's you know who have i've talked to parents who brought accusations uh whose whose daughters brought accusations i've talked to parents whose sons have been accused and Mm -hmm. and a lot of the, the the framework of everything is much too similar and as a parent i'm afraid for my sons to get caught up in that 
Yeah. You know? And again, unfortunately, that's a way that I have had to caution them. And so, and my, and my husband as well. So for our family, you know, we don't control our kids, but in the event that that were to happen, we have put some very strong wishes around how, what we would want them to do while they're at a young age. And especially after, um, especially after, um, a Botham, Botham John, Botham Jean. Yeah. Because in the beginning of that trial, there was, or in the beginning when everything happened, there was stuff flying around. I don't know if it was ever substantiated, but there was stuff flying around that he had possibly talked to the officer at one time. Like, you know, um, that she, you know, there was all kinds of rumors. She was scorned. She, you know, he rejected her and all of that stuff. So when that stuff was kind of floating around in the rumor mill, um, you know, it was like, eh, y'all, this is why you need to wait until a certain age or until, you know, you need to check everything out. You need to know everything that person needs to live at. If they woke, they you need to know their mama didn't woke too and their friends. Yeah. Again, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you uh, love who you love and that's fine with me. But, man, you better consider all of the, the things that come along with it, which, I mean, Young folks, especially, they don't they don't look deep. They don't look deep. They barely look past the day, you know, and and I'm you know, I was guilty of it when I was younger and everything. So I'm not going to come off as uh, like I'm perfect and like I, I, I don't have flaws and and all that. It's just to say that in today's time, it's it's I hate to say it. It's a little bit more watched. You're more surveyed. Everything is tracked. I mean, <laughs> I mean, people, people can Photoshop you. Uh, they can, <laughs> they can put you in places where you weren't. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, if you pair yourself up uh, as a black man or uh, with a, with a white young female and, and she want to do you in, I mean, she's got so many ways to do it. You know, and all done. she has to do, I mean, I mean, all she really got to do is say you did it. Now you got to prove here in America, you're supposed to be innocent till proven guilty. However, if uh, especially if a white female says that you did something, man, you're pretty much guilty at that point. You better you better have your receipts and uh, and your alibis at that point, um, you know, ready to 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 be given out. Because at that point, if they find out that you are telling the truth, uh, you got to remember time is of the essence and it may cost you more money and, and, and pain uh, with your job. You may lose your job, your livelihood, everything. I mean, and, and at that point, you don't you don't get that back. Matter of fact, there was a Baylor student years ago that um, that happened to uh, with him and. Uh, she pulled this move with him right at the time of the draft. And he was a football player. I don't know. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he was a football player. She put, and then they find out, well, she, she lied. Well, hell, the draft was over. About. I know which case you're talking about. Too late now. Yeah. Yeah. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And yeah. as the suffering to the reputation. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, those are things that, um, Nobody wants to wants their kids to go through that trauma. Right. 
because that is trauma. Right. And that's uh, you know, nobody wants it, their kids to go to their trauma. Now I don't want anyone trying to, you know, say what Bishop was trying to talk about, uh Deshaun Watson. Now that ain't what I was talking <laughs> about. I was just, you know, I'm just talking in general. I mean, because I don't know what's going on with him. So before anybody try to allude it to that, let me just go on and squash that now. Cause I don't know that brother's business. I just do know that uh it might not have been the wisest thing trying to get masseuses uh off of Instagram. Uh, because yeah, that's uh, they, they generally ain't, they generally ain't known for masseuses on there. So yeah. I, I, I will say that when you're a millionaire, you can't like I don't understand. Okay, this, Nikki, you tell me if this, if this is misandry, but I, I I feel like it. I I don't understand these brothers that are millionaires and feel like they need to go get some weird strain. I don't. I'm I'm trying to figure out <laughs> why. Like you are a millionaire, I, so I think I've told y'all this story before. So, young Neely, um, let's say circa two thousand, um, used to make frequent trips to Houston with his good friend ninety nine two thousand somewhere in there. He used to make frequent trips with with a good friend of mine, um, who would come visit me at Sam Houston State from time to time, um, and he was like, "Man, this is this is so much more fun than Austin. We both." Austin and Austin is not known for its black scene. As a matter of fact, I would venture to say that most black people really in Austin don't like each other, let alone a uh, controversial <laughs> statement of the day, let alone uh, then want to, you know, go be around other white people. They, they, uh, other black people, they pretty much just, you know, they deal with their plight. But myself and my friend Billy um, were not the same. And we would, since he had already tasted the sweet, sweet um, taste of Houston. <laughs> With one of he'd be like, hey, man. Sweet. yeah, 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 because you know, in Sam Houston State, you know, all my Houston, I, I this group of Houston buddies, and we, you know, and and so yeah, one of my, buddy, the my one of my best friends to this day, Billy is still one of my best friends to this day, and then one of my other best friends to this day, uh, James, who I met at Sam Houston State, we would, me and Billy, when we could no longer take Austin and needed to see some some needed to find where they kept all the black women, we would jump <laughs> in a vehicle. And we would make the trip to Houston because where you know, are they keeping the black women? Yeah, where are these? I women? mean, Nikki, we wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, we needed to know. Bishop's from the area, so he knows. Trust he knows me, I know. And so Billy and I, when we just didn't take it anymore, would roll to Houston, and and uh, and, I, and I promise I'm getting somewhere with this story. I'm going somewhere, as pastors would say. Uh, <laughs> we, we would. We would come, we'd stay with James, and we'd just hit up all the Houston clubs, and then we would be able to sate our appetite for black women for for until we, you know, and, and be able to steal up until we would have to make the, the journey once again. So wow. one particular even amen. Can I get an amen? Can I get a word? Amen, amen. <laughs> and so we so here here's gonna be my hoop line. So we get one night in particular. I don't know if any of you remember Club Phoenix in Houston, but it was quite quite popular. <laughs> and it was club, so we would hit up whatever club on on um Friday night. That club would change often because it seemed like every time you came to Houston, there was a new club that was popping. That's true. So, but the consistent club that was jumping on Saturday was Phoenix. All right. So we um we knew Phoenix was Saturday, and then we'd figure out the other stuff, right? So Phoenix, we go to Phoenix on a Saturday and we're 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 having a good time and, and as usual because we're like, look at all these black women. And and so 
at that moment, I, I don't know if any of y'all remember Roderick Rhodes who used to play for the Houston Rockets. Um, Nikki probably will remember him a little bit. It'll, it'll click in a minute. But Roderick Rhodes, um, his face was very, very skeletal. I'll say that. He had a very skeletal face. Like, you know, very angular. Oh, my God. Here we go. Sunken in cheekbones and eyebones. Very. Here we go. Uh-huh, he man. So he, um, <laughs> this dude, one day, I swear, and I say all this to get back to Deshaun Watson. I swear, Roderick Rhodes came into Phoenix, and Phoenix had a strict dress code. It was like you, you, the day you went to Phoenix, you supposed to dress to impress. You had, to, you know, you were dressed. You, they had a, you couldn't just bust up in there tennis shoes, and you could, you couldn't just be. You know what I mean? Right. Roderick Rhodes, who I believe was in his second or third year with the Houston Rockets, walked in looking like he had just finished mowing his lawn. <laughs> he walked in with like, I believe he had like a Rockets, you know, like a championship shirt. Um, and that shirt looked like he had uh, decided that day he was going to paint his house. Um, he had on some raggedy, holy uh, denim short. The brother might have had on tennis shoes, but I believe he had on some slides. And he had on a hat turned backwards and it looked like there had been a considerable amount of sweat sweat in that hat when he walked in the club. Oh my god. I I I only and he only was close to him for a few seconds. He didn't smell musty, but he looked musty. You know how musty has a look. He looked like he smelled musty. He looked like there was he yeah he looked like had he walked by you and wafted his his essence nearby there would have been must in there somewhere. There would have been a, a must nebula, if you will. <laughs> so, so Roger <laughs> former Houston Rockets player, had a little cup of coffee in the league. I don't even think he stayed that long. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nikki, but this is how this went down. He was walking. He, he did a stroll around the club like he knew. He knew. I think he did it on purpose. He It was like a an early troll, like, I'm going to dress as badly as I can dress. All right, Bishop, here I go. Uh, <laughs> as bad as I can dress, and I'm going to still win. And I swear, Roderick Rhodes had no less than 10 women just walking behind him in the club. And he didn't walk in with those women. Those women saw that it was Roderick Rhodes, followed him around the club. Uh, they were just going to get to touch the hem of his, hem of his garment. So I feel like to say that if you are a young millionaire, there is no reason for you to try to go get some 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 random. There's no reason because you are a young man. Yeah, you can you. just walk. You can walk into H E B and a girl will throw herself onto the papaya section and offer herself to you as tribute. So it doesn't make sense to me when these brothers do stuff like that. That's all I have to say. I don't get it. I never will get it because I saw that night that you can win. In a musty shirt, a cap turned backwards, and some slides and some jean shorts that look like you rolled in dirt right before you came to the club. <laughs> you was in dirt this instant. In, yeah, it's very instant. It that instant. You left. You left that smelling like diesel. Yeah, <laughs> I feel he looked like it, 
if y'all have seen it, it my mouth hit the floor. I was like, there, there is a train of women following this dude, and this dude looks literally like he jumped out of the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> um, like they wouldn't even let him sit in the front. Like he was monthly. Like man, you just take the back, and we don't get him. And then you just go ahead back said, Yeah, yeah. And at some point, he was like, "Y'all want to stop at the club first? And that's what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ten women, no less. He looks dusty, though. Huh? And he looks dusty. Oh, a little. Oh, my gosh. gosh. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to end this party, but uh, they finna turn our lights off. So, hey, I'm gonna go and say, we thank you for your time, your energies. Again, each one reach one to teach one. This is the TSFP Podcast. And uh, nobody does it better than Nikki and Adrian. And uh, we just gonna end it out on on the musty, on the musty note. So y'all y'all just go and uh, go to sleep or just uh, be at your jobs thinking about musty dudes because that's what Adrian just. <laughs> Essence of roads, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> go on, go on and Google them if you don't have anything better to do. Yeah, look at the skeletal cheekbones. Yeah, he look, yeah. he look musty. <laughs> <laughs>